0: How many of you have ever gotten frustrated by something moving too slow, right? We live in a culture where things are moving very, very fast, too fast sometimes, right? But whether it's a line that we're in or, you know, waiting at a stop sign or whatever, sometimes things are, are moving too slow for us. We're not used to being patient necessarily. Our culture has this certain, like, need for speed, right? Uh, and, and, and that can sometimes be unhealthy. Sometimes it can be good. But uh, it really, it, it all started back in, in 1946 with the invention of this thing. That's the microwave oven. A guy named George Spencer created the first microwave oven. Look at that bad boy. That's the size of a regular oven, right? <laughs> yeah, think about that compared to what you have probably in your house right now, like on your counter. And then look at that size of steak that he's cooking right there. That is a piece of meat. And it's probably going to cook in like two and a half minutes with that thing. Gosh darn, that's a huge, uh, huge steak. And then you fast forward a few decades, right? And um, going to the store was too slow. So what did we invent? Amazon, right? We, Amazon's out there, and you could get anything and everything from groceries to whatever you could possibly dream of. And I actually believe sometimes that, uh, that if it can't be found on Amazon, it probably doesn't exist, right? If you can't find it on Amazon, it doesn't exist. Um, but then Amazon got, you know, two-day shipping was too slow, so then you get Prime, right? And you can have Prime, and it can be, it can be there the next day. Even sometimes... On the same day, I can remember the first time that I ordered something in the morning. Right, I ordered something in the morning. Oops, jumped the slide. Sorry, uh, and and um, I showed up at my my door that night and the package was there. And I couldn't believe it. Had same day, here's what I ordered this morning. This was amazing. And I was, it, was a, it was a glorious day. And maybe only, uh, you know, second to like my, my wedding day and then the birth of my children. I couldn't believe how awesome this was to have, the, you know, this package that I'd ordered that morning. Um, we have over a quarter of a million fast food restaurants in our country, right? Fast food, it's food on the go. Let's go get it and let's get going right? I don't know if you do this, but I do this all the time. Gosh, our internet is so slow, right? Can our internet get faster? If you have kids, what do we always say? Ah, they grow too fast, right? They grow too fast. Why can't time just slow down? Except for when they get into the middle school years, right? And then we're like, eh, let's get that moving a little quicker, right? No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I have a middle schooler. I love it. It's a great age um you know here we are in, in 2020 happy 2020 welcome to the new year we got the olympics coming up this summer right i love watching the summer olympics it's super super fun but what is every world record of the olympics about going faster right doing it faster than the person that held the previous world record do you remember the days before you could record a show and fast forward through the the, the commercials Right? I watched an entire football game last night in one hour, Right, and it was amazing because I could watch all the highlights and just go through it, and then I could watch the, the New England Patriots lose, and that was amazing too. Um, sorry if you're a Patriots fan, but uh, yeah, couldn't be happier for the Titans. Um, not even the Titans fan, don't even, yeah, anyways, I'll get off that one. Um, but uh, yeah, no, those were the dark ages, right? We had to wait through commercials, that was terrible, right? And, and then 4G, 4G is too slow, right? So now we've got 5G. And it's coming, right? And, and some, some carriers are, you know, developing it still or whatever, but when is it going to be 6G and 7G until they run out of letters and numbers, right? And if you think about it, in, in an instant, we've got the entire world at our hands right here, right? Right here in this little device called a smartphone. That can be good and bad, right? All the, no- all the knowledge in the world can be found via what? A Google search. Very quickly, very, very quickly, And with all that information and all that speed at our disposal, things can get pretty unfocused pretty quickly if we're not careful. Um, If you've been to SeaWorld and you've seen this ride, this is the electric eel over at SeaWorld. It's a roller coaster. It's super fun. uh, When... When it first opened up, uh, how many of you have ever been on the electric eel? Anybody been on the electric eel? Okay, sweet, good. There's a few of you. Uh, if you haven't, you should get over there and try it. It's a blast. But um, when it first opened up as, as a pass holder, we got to get in and, and go and, and get on the ride first, right? And then get to ride it before a lot of the, the general public got to ride it. And so um, I think my son and I, we did laps on it. We did five in a row uh, times on it, which was rad. And then he continued with one of his buddies and went on like another 15 times, I think, or something crazy, right? I mean, it was gnarly. He loved it. Um, But here's the thing with with this ride. When it it shoots you off, it shoots you off with such great force that things become unfocused for just a moment, right? Things become a little blurry. Your body is not used to traveling that quickly, that fast, right? And no matter how much warning the person that's talking in the microphone gives you, it still is a a jolt to your system. And and here's the thing. It's fun to move that fast for, for a time, right? For a short time, but moving that fast at a continued amount of time, I think I don't think that would make life very sustainable. Doing life that fast, uh, moving that fast for too long could probably do some serious damage, like mentally or physically or, or even emotionally. So then, how do we find balance? How do we find balance between a world that is moving extremely fast? So we don't move it, or so that we move at a pace that that is 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 where we don't lose focus. Maybe a good question to ask ourselves is this, uh, how do we move at the speed of God? How do we move at the speed of God? We're just a few days into 2020 and I'm I'm sure many of you many I know I have have developed new year's resolutions. It's kind of the thing to do, right? To develop a new year's resolution. The problem with new year's resolutions is this that they often are not sustainable. They're not sustainable. Sarah was here last week. If you were here, you missed a great, or if you weren't here, you missed a great message. Pastor Sarah did a, an awesome job. She talked about this last week. We set these kind of lofty, sometimes unachievable goals for ourselves, and then we get a little bit of the way into the year, and we go, man, this is not sustainable. And that's why we give up, because we don't have, we don't have, a, a, you know, we haven't planned right. We, we don't have accountability set, in, set up. We don't have a vision for what it is that we're, we're trying to um, put behind these resolutions. So here at New Break, this is this is what we want, this is what we've been praying for as a church staff for, for this congregation, for all of us together. We want you to have a God sized plan for your life this year. So then I want to start with this question how do we align or how can we align our plans with God's vision this year? And obviously, it's 2020. I'm sure you've seen the memes and the gifts and all the things, of 2020, 2020 vision, all that stuff. There's a ton of that stuff out there. Uh, here's, here's a fun fact, though. 2020 vision isn't perfect vision. Did you know that? 2020 vision isn't perfect vision. It just means that you have sharpness or clarity at, at, at a distance, right? It d- doesn't mean that you can see miles and miles ahead clear. What it means is you can see about 20, 25 feet in front of you very clear right? And this is just a, a really good analogy for how we look at the year ahead of us. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, and certainly let's not get too far out in front of what God is doing and the direction that God might be taking us on and focusing on for 2020. So what could that look like for you? What could it look like for you to align your plans with God's plans, God's vision this year? And maybe a better question asked ask is what could you miss, be missing out on if you don't, if you don't go after this right here? If you have uh, your Bibles with you or if you've got your phones, go ahead and break those out. We're going to be looking in the book of Acts. Um, we've left the back windows open for you so you can actually see if, you've read your, if you brought your Bibles, which, I don't know, do you, do you like the windows open or do you like them closed? Yes. Like them? Everybody's okay with it? All right. If anybody starts complaining, I'm going to send them to some of you that, you know. No, but uh, yeah, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts 1. We're going to be spending, actually, um, through the course of 2020, we're going to be spending quite a bit of time in the book of Acts. We're going to just be peppering it out, like, throughout the year, and... Um, you know, we're gonna, skipping around a little bit, but, and doing some other, you know, passages in Scripture, but, but today we're going to be focusing on the, on the very first part of Acts, and, and um, this is written by a guy named Luke. He also wrote the Gospel of Luke, uh, and so this, this is kind of the, the sequel to the book of Luke, you could say. Um, and, and at the start of Acts, uh, this is this is Luke. He's, he's kind of recounting for um, this guy named Theophilus, who we don't really know who Theophilus was, um, but Luke found it important to write to this guy. And so um, he's writing to Theophilus, and he's basically giving an account uh, as to Jesus' life, his, his apostles. Jesus has just ascended into, into heaven. He's left his disciples to spread the good news um, that he has brought to the earth. And, and now Luke is giving an account of Jesus' last days on earth and his final instructions. So would you read along with me, Acts? 1, 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus had began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky the same way? This, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And I love the imagery that's, that's filled with this passage, right? You get the picture of, of Jesus doing life with his disciples and, and eating with his disciples and having conversation with his disciples. And then you, you get this, the, you get the, you know, as he describes Jesus being ascended into heaven. And then all of a sudden, these two guys that, that weren't there a moment ago are now here and they're asking the, the disciples and the apostles, almost it's like their first test. Here you go. Like, what are you looking at right now? What are you anticipating and expecting right now? Um, and be encouraged because Jesus, the way that you see him leaving is the same way he's going to be coming back eventually, right? Jesus leaves his disciples with the encouragement of this, to have patience, to wait on God's plan, right? Look what it says there that Jesus was saying to his disciples right there at the beginning. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. See, when we lack patience, we can easily miss out on what God is preparing us for or has prepared us for. See, when we don't wait on God's plans, assumption and presumption will dictate our direction, right? Verse 6 says, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? See, the disciples had certainly seen a, a lot of really cool stuff hanging out with Jesus, right? they had seen him do miracles. they had seen him walk on water. they had seen him just do a, a, some amazing things. And, and in verse 6, they're starting to just jump the gun a little bit, right? They're starting to get ahead of, of Jesus's plan, of, God, of God's ultimate plan. And I don't know if you ever do this, but I know that I fall into this trap every once in a while right? I get just enough information to make myself dangerous, and then I'm like, all right, here we go, God. I got got it. I'm on it, right? You you sent me. I'm going. Here we go. And God's like, hold on. Slow down. I haven't revealed everything to you. No, 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 God, you gave me this. I got this. No problem. You you put it in good hands. And he's like, no, I I want it in my hands, right? See, the apostles thought they knew what Jesus was planning. That's why they asked him this question. They thought that they knew what he was planning, and they figured they had finally waited long enough. And the time was now, but the time was not now. And Jesus was saying, "But wait, but wait," almost like saying "Yes, but wait." Right? He had to tell his disciples to pump the brakes a little bit. See, when we don't wait on God's plan, another thing can happen. We get tunnel vision, right? Tunnel vision keeps us from seeing the big picture. He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set." by his own authority. See, we can be so focused on, on me. I can get so focused on me and mine and what's happening in my life and my corner of the world and the things that I think are important that I miss out on the grander story that God is unfolding. Does that ever happen to any of you? Does that ever happen to any of you? Have you ever driven through a tunnel right? While driving through a tunnel, you can only see kind of a small distance around you, right? You can only see kind of what's, what's just around you. And then maybe towards the exit of the tunnel, you can see a small bit of light. But as you get closer and closer to the end of the tunnel, the entire view starts to expand. And the more we get closer to the end of the tunnel, eventually we can see the full view when you're out of the tunnel. This is the Wawona Tunnel um, leading into Yosemite Valley right? And as you can see from the picture, it's just a bunch of rock, and you can kind of see that small light at the end. It's a great tunnel. It's a long tunnel. It's a fun tunnel to drive through. Um, I don't know if you ever did this. Maybe you still do this. My wife doesn't let me do this anymore, but it's okay. When you drive through a tunnel, you hold your breath and see if you can make it all the way through. Maybe I'll start to do that. I can understand why if I'm driving, she doesn't like me to do that, right? <laughs> but, but I've driven through a lot of tunnels with my breath held, and I've never passed out. I'm just saying. I'm pretty good at it. But um Anyways, <laughs> I digress. Um, this is the Wawona Tunnel, right? And and um, for pretty much time, this is for pretty long time. This is pretty much all that you can see. And after a while, it becomes pretty unfulfilling and pretty boring, right? But here's the thing: if you thought that this was all that the Wawona Tunnel had to offer, just you know this really cool long tunnel, what would be the point of moving on? What would be the point of even going through that tunnel? Well, this is the point of going on and moving through that tunnel it's Yosemite Valley, right? It's the glory and the grandeur of, of Yosemite Valley. This is what you see as soon as you exit the Wawona Tunnel, right? And if you had stopped and turned around and decided that, that everything that the Wawona Tunnel had to, to offer was, you know, was just that little tunnel, then what would, be, again, what would be the point of going on? If you had turned around a quarter of the way through or half the way through, you would miss out on this, you would miss out on this scene, right? And in this passage, our apostles, the apostles, had this kind of tunnel vision. They were very concerned about the kingdom of Israel, very concerned about the kingdom, and rightly so. Many of them were of Jewish descent. They knew um, Israel, Israel's you know history and culture. So they were rightly so. They were concerned about that. But 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 Jesus is telling them, hold on. This message that I have for you, this message that you've seen me live out in my life, there's so much more of this, and I want you not only to take it to Jerusalem, but I want you to take it to the ends of the earth, but you're not quite ready for it yet. I don't know about you. What would you rather have? Would you rather have the whole picture or know the details, right? The whole picture or know the details? It kind of says a lot about who you are if, if you pick one or the other, right? I know for me, when I don't have all the details, that can be really difficult, Right? I like to have the details. I like to have all those things figured out. I'm a detail-oriented ori- person. But, but here's the thing I've found in being a detail-oriented person. It's not bad, but i found that in the waiting, a lot of times it's easy to lose focus of the bigger picture. I might even be able to see a little bit of the big picture, but I get bogged down in the details. See, my focus, it shifts from the minute-to-minute details, and it, and it distracts me from the ultimate plan that God has put in motion And then consequently, a lot of times in my life, what then I jump right over is that faith aspect of my journey, that faith aspect of my walk, right? See, the the apostles, with the apostles, Jesus is pointing out that, that their primary concern is to be witnesses. That's it. You're to be my witnesses, those who report accurately what they've seen, right? And the apostles, they've seen a lot, we have the tendency to be concerned or, or, or occupied by the wrong things, or perhaps even with good things that aren't the primary things. So what are the things that concern you? What are the things that concern you? Perhaps the primary things that, that you, know, you pursue, what are, do those ever get mixed up by some of the details? Right? If you if you think about what the American dream says, what does the American dream say? It says we should be in the pursuit of success, in the pursuit of more, in pursuit of happiness and satisfaction and gratification. But what does Scripture say? What does Scripture say? This is where we see Jesus refocusing his his apostles' vision. Right? They were focused on the details. When are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And again, that's a valid question, but it misses the bigger picture. And the bigger ask of what what Jesus is asking his disciples to do right then and there. And so he's trying to instill that in them. You see, patience is proactive. Patience is proactive. We need to learn active waiting. And what active waiting looks like sometimes in our walk with Jesus. If you've ever been fishing, you know what it is like to actively wait, right? Who's if you've, if you've ever been fishing here? Well, it doesn't matter, stream, ocean, you know what it is like to actively wait. Actually, anyone who's ever gone fishing knows that the excitement leading up to fishing can oftentimes outweigh the actual excitement of fishing, right? Because you get out there and it's just like it's a skunk of a day and you're not catching anything, right? Um, Every year I go to sixth grade camp as a sixth grade counselor, and um, it's, it's such a fun blessing. And one of the things that I would always volunteer for, because I really do enjoy fishing quite a bit, I would always volunteer for was to, to take 15 to 20 sixth grade students out to this little pond called Doan Pond. It was up in Palomar Mountain. and We got to this little pond, and we would fish just, you know, for a couple hours in one of the afternoons. Well, this one year, it seemed like every single time a line hit the water. Man, a fish jumped on it. And the kids were just so pumped. They were just having such a blast. It was like fish after fish after fish. There was no patience. There was no waiting involved at all. It was a blast. The kids were having such a fun time. I'm pretty sure most of them were catching the same fish over and over again. It didn't matter. They didn't care. We are just throwing them back in there, and they would catch it again. You know, I caught 15 fish. I caught 17 fish. You know what I mean? Well, that's the same fish. But whatever. It didn't matter, right? They were so, so excited. So then you fast forward to the very next year. I'm back up at sixth grade camp with a whole new group of sixth graders. And, um, and I'm just telling them about all the fun that the sixth graders from last year had had catching all of these fish. And I'm like, you guys are going to be pumped. You guys are going to be stoked. This is going to be awesome. You're going to catch a ton of fish. And um, so they're all excited. We're starting to walk to the, to the pond. Unbeknownst to any of us, unbeknownst to any of us, the pond had actually, over the course of the year, developed this, this lakeweed. Right, and it actually, it actually, um, it, it was invading the whole pond, and it had choked out many of the fish. There were still fish in the pond, but not to the extent uh, or the amount that there had been in years past. So we arrive at the pond, you know, again with fifteen to twenty just excited sixth graders, and one by one they get their lines in the water, and we're waiting. I'm kind of helping some kids. We're waiting. Nothing, right? Nothing. I'm going. Okay, this is weird. Maybe okay. Let's change some bait out. Let's try some different things. We're waiting. We're waiting. Nothing. Not a single bite. And then after about twenty, twenty five minutes uh, of casting and waiting and watching bobbers and reeling in nothing, this you could definitely tell that the sense of excitement was starting to fade for these kids, right? They were no longer having as much fun as when they had first gotten there. And it started with some grumbling, right? It started with some grumbling. Then someone lost, of course, their favorite hook and bobber, and they're all a mess because that bobber's out and floating in the middle of nowhere now, and they can't get it back, right? And I could feel all the eyes of these little sixth graders slowly starting to turn on me, right? And I'm thinking to myself, they're going to create a coup here, right? I'm, I'm in trouble. Um, and, I, and I had this choice in this moment because it seemed as if the lake had just gone completely dry. I had this choice in the moment. I could either tell these kids to just forget it, just pack it up, we're going home, there's no fish here, or I could try and help them see the benefit of actively waiting. And I remember sitting there having this argument with myself in my head and going, okay, what am I going to do? What's the more important lesson for these 6th these graders right now here in this place? And so I chose the latter. Even though I didn't have any idea if, if a single fish would strike, I figured in some way, shape, or form, I could at least help these students gain a couple valuable life lessons about patience from this fishing experience, Right? So we waited for about another 20 minutes, and then finally, one kid hooked into a fish. Everybody's super excited, and of course, the excitement's all back, and everybody's like, okay, get your lines back in the water. And then sure enough, one after the other after the other, every single student ended up catching a fish that day. I was the only one that didn't catch a fish that day, right? Every single student caught a fish that day. And that day, whether those kids knew it or not, they learned what it meant to be proactively patient. They learned what it meant to be proactively patient. They learned the meaning of actively waiting. And see, we see the same thing taking place in this passage. The apostles are getting a little impatient, which meant they weren't quite ready to carry out the mission that Jesus had laid out for them, that God had planned for them. So Jesus continues to prepare them for the mission and continues to help them grow into the people that are going to have the largest and the best impact for the kingdom of heaven. Check this out. He says he, he Acts, 3, uh, or Acts 1, 3 through 4, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This is, this is Jesus giving his last little encouragements to the disciples and the apostles. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. See, patience isn't about just sitting around and, and doing nothing until you hear God's audible voice. It's quite the contrary, right? Patience actually looks like something. Patience looks like something. Spending time with God so we can actually hear when He speaks is so, so important. Whether it's walking in obedience to what we already know what to do, maybe the things that we've learned from our experiences in the past, or for some it might just be simply blooming where you're planted, or serving or being a blessing where you are right now. Maybe the the big idea is, is being faithful in the season that you're in. Not looking ahead to the next season. Okay, I can't wait till I'm done with deployment. I can't wait till I'm done paying off this car. I can't wait till I'm done doing this. No, being faithful in the season that you're in with whatever it is that God has tasked you to do for that season. It can be difficult. You need to have patience, but it's doable. Maybe you need to continue to develop skills wherever you're at. I know when I, I was working at a, at, at a church um, in La Mesa called Journey, and I was hired to be the technical arts director that was doing all the sound and all the lighting and the cameras and stuff like that, I had zero experience doing that stuff going into the job. They hired me because they liked me as a person, they liked me as a pastor. So they hired me to do that stuff, and I had no idea. And so I had to, I had to be faithful to develop those skills. I had to take classes and do things that I was like, this is boring. I hate wrapping cables and wires and doing all, but I had to be faithful in that season. And I found that it was so beneficial to my walk with Jesus because through that faithfulness, sometimes grumbling at times, through that faithfulness, I saw lots and lots of blessings. And I know that God prepared me for what was next. And I was getting to come here to New Break in Pacific Beach. So to continue developing skills where you're at, and then, by, by, for sure, by connecting with community during times of waiting. Man, connecting with community during times of waiting instead of isolating yourself is so important. Because when we connect with each other as a community, my faith might start to wane a little bit and go, oh, I'm just so tired of waiting, but yours might be stronger than mine is at that point. And then you can encourage me, and then it might flip, and it might be vice versa, and then I can encourage you, right? It's so important to be in community during, during times of waiting. And see, this is, the, this is the context that Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. He's eating with his disciples. He's doing life with his disciples. And he, he's instructed them at this point to wait. I don't know about you, but waiting isn't fun most of the time. None of us get up in the morning and go, I can't wait to wait in that line, right? Can't wait to wait. Are you walking to Starbucks and there's three or four people in front of you? You're like, nope. Too long to wait, right? You go into the gas station and there's like two or three cars, and you go, Nope, too long to wait. I'll find another one. I'll drive to Claremont instead to get gas. You know, it's like, no, you know, none of us really like to wait. But here's the thing the disciples weren't all just sitting around doing nothing, they were doing life together. Being patient in waiting on God isn't a passive activity. God will speak to us in the midst of, of, of us doing our daily lives if we're listening. We can sometimes think that waiting on God means to just sit around and do nothing, but that's not the picture that Jesus is painting here. See, patience doesn't mean passivity or, or resignation, but power. Have You ever thought about patience as power? I know for me, I got stuck on this one, this point, quite a bit this week. Patience as power. It's an emotionally freeing practice of waiting and watching and knowing when to act. Patience is power, right? See, God wants to empower us for whatever it is he's got next. Jesus gives this encouragement. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I just want to point out that the you in this passage is actually plural. It's plural. It's it's a collective, right? It's, It's not just you. It's not just me. It's together. Remember, the, the disciples, they haven't received the Holy Spirit yet at this point. Jesus is telling them that it's coming. The Holy Spirit is coming, but it hasn't, it hasn't been given to them yet. And, and here's the thing. I believe that God wants to give us power to be patient in the waiting seasons. And see, we are fortunate enough to be on this side of the story. So we know that the Holy Spirit eventually comes upon the disciples and we have the Holy Spirit with us today as a guide, as someone to encourage us, as someone to, to help us when we lack patience. See, because if we don't do that, we can, we can become so eager to move that we end up trying to do things on our own power. I am totally a culprit of that. I get tired of waiting on what God is, I think God is doing, and I go, okay, God, surely you've given me enough information, and I'm just going to move, right? And God's got to tell me uh, quite often, Tony, pump the brakes. I haven't revealed everything I want to reveal to you yet. You don't have the full picture. Trust me. Be patient. Wait on me. Trust in my Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit partners with me as I partner with others. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, again, that you is plural. All of you, the Holy Spirit just wasn't given to one person, it was given to all of you, all of us. And that's one of the main things that Acts is about. And you're going to see it peppered as we go through this year and as we study the book of Acts, um, you know, different times during the year. You're going to see this main main theme of community, right? And in a first-century context, in a first-century context, it would be foreign to consider the individual over the community, right? And that's quite the opposite of today, right? Today it is all about the individual. It's about we're kind of an individualistic society. And individualism was not the way that things started. In fact, it wasn't until the Enlightenment period, around the 17, early 1700s, that individualism began to, to overrun the thought of community and doing life together. When we look back at biblical times, not just in Acts, but even before that and in, into the Old Testament, um, this, this idea of, of community and doing life together, you did that because it meant safety, you did that because it meant security and help and fortitude. And you could come alongside each other. And you could be a blessing to each other. And you could cry with each other. And you could laugh with each other. And you could be with each other. And so now I'm not suggesting this morning that we form a little PB New Break commune or anything like that. I'm not suggesting that at all. I snore. You'd get sick of me pretty quickly. Um, but but this, this is my point. This is my point. We talk a ton about doing life together here at New Break because it's important because we believe with our whole hearts that it is it is so good to do life with you, and 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 together. One of uh, three of our, our core values we have three core values here at New Break and and um, it can be summed up in three words: to begin, to belong, and to be. We believe that beginning our week in worship is is crucial. It causes us to come together as a body. It causes us to, to worship together, singing songs and to give offerings and, and tithes and to listen to Scripture and to grow together. Uh, we're able to eat food together and donuts and bananas, and there's cookies and candy out there too. So sorry if you're trying to lose weight um, for her New Year's resolution. But, uh, but just being, you know, this, 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 this whole idea of beginning our week in worship, we believe it's so important. And I hope that you make beginning your week in worship a priority here in 2020 to belong. Belong in the life groups. Claire mentioned it before during our announcements. It is so important. We are a church that believes in the power of life groups. Right, we can find common bonds together with each other in our life groups. Our life group fair is on January nineteenth. It's coming. You're, you can find all sorts of life groups. We're gonna have we have all kinds of life groups to offer. So whether you want to sweat with Lydia at her boot camp, or whether you want to sweat with Eric at the financial piece because you're getting your finances in order, or whether you want to learn more about what was taught on Sunday, or whether you want to just grow together as women, or grow together as men, or do a book study, or you know go surfing, or whatever, we've got life groups all over the place for everybody. I hope and I pray that you will get into a life group because that's where belonging can be found. And then finally, be. Just simply being the church. We're the church through serving. We're the church through outreach. We're the church through coming alongside each other in times of blessing and in in times of of trial and difficulty. Right? These three things, um, they're a part... uh, of the ways that we can be proactive in these waiting seasons. All three of these actions are ways that the Holy Spirit will speak to us and through us even when we don't know what job to take, even when we don't know what direction to go or where to live or what school to go to. Be proactively patient in those times. So I want to ask you, how many of my New Year's goals are about me and not we? Have you ever thought about that? New Year's resolutions are usually focused inward, right? They're usually about uh, me. I'm, mine are about me. Yours are about you. Keep them to yourself or whatever. You can share them if you want to. But, you know. but what if we, we flip that narrative? What if we made some of our New Year's goals about we, like us together as a church family, as a church group, as a church community? What if God is waiting for us to learn the value of partnering with each other before He starts to move? You ever thought about that? What if God's waiting for us to learn the value of partnering with each other before he begins to move? Because the actively waiting on God allows me to witness God at work. That word witness, and you will be my witness, right? A witness, I mentioned it earlier, it's, it, it not only a witness sees an event, but also reports whatever it is that happened. We need to be witnesses. We need to be able to report what we see God doing to other people. That's how we share his good news. It's not necessarily about even laying out the gospel. It's just about reporting what we're seeing God doing in our lives, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our friend, maybe in the lives of this church. And when we look back and we see what God has done in our lives and in our circumstances, man, how could we not want to share that with people? Even if it's a tough thing. Maybe that that tough situation that you had to go through is the exact same situation that somebody else is going to. And by you sharing with them, you're actually going to encourage them because they know they're not alone. And you get encouraged because you know that you're able to help them through that season. So how did we witness God work in 2019? Sarah challenged us last week again to, to do something similar, to simply recount what it is that God did in our lives last year. So we shared the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, with thousands of people in this community through our outreaches by simply listening to this community and then stepping up. I mentioned it last week um, in the announcements, just in in saying thank you. Between uh, Trunk or Treat at the end of October to to Christmas time, man, we did a ton of stuff. And that was just two months. We did a bunch of stuff at the beginning of the year, too. We fostered better relationships with our public servants, our our San Diego police and our fire and and our our, uh, Pacific Beach town council we we served with them and then we served alongside of them we blessed poor and and less fortunate families here at this school with gift cards for christmas with with thanksgiving baskets with an amazing outreach you know in trunk or treat and um, we also were able to bless um, this school and then the some navajo and some Hopi and some apache and colorado river nation american indian tribes with backpacks full of school supplies we were able to bless a ton of children that didn't have those, those things that a lot of times we take for granted. We were able to do that for those people. We had a number of you donate to um, a building fund, a building campaign here for this, for this church, over $100,000 that's in a savings account right now that is all going to be going towards a building for this campus. A few weeks ago, Faith Legake, she's going to um, Indonesia. She got up here and Steve interviewed her. And she's going to Indonesia for six months as a missionary. And she asked just for your prayers and your support financially. And, and, and you know what? I'm so stoked to tell you, Faith is sponsored financially and then some. Right? Y'all stepped up in such a huge way. Like, she doesn't have to worry about a thing. And actually, she's able to now help support some of the other missionaries that are going with her on this trip because of your generosity See, God is moving in incredible ways, and I could go on and on and on, but we as a, new, uh, as a Pacific Beach New Break staff, we believe that, that God has been preparing our church to do bigger and better things to further his kingdom in 2020, and we want you to join us in that. We want you to join us in that. We don't want to be the ones that are, you know, just because we get paid to do it. It's like, no, we want to do it together with you all because just there's a few of us, but man, if you think about all of us, how much of an impact we could have, not just on this community, but the communities that you live in. We want to do that with you together, but how are we doing that? Well, the first thing that we're doing is we are, we are looking back and we're thanking God for His faithfulness in 2019. Looking back and thanking God for His faithfulness in 2019. We are patiently and actively waiting to hear from God. All right, God, where is it that you're going? We just want to hear your voice, and then we want to move. And then we are praying continually that God shows us where He wants us to move in 2020, and that be, we would be ready to go when He calls. See, in my experience, sometimes it's as if God has gone silent when we're waiting, and He's just saying, "Yes, you're doing good, but wait, but wait." You see, we need to be confident that that God is with us even when He seems absent. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The disciples, the apostles, were so concerned about the exit that they they forgot about the return. They forgot about what Jesus had said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm faithful in this. They forgot about his return. See, God is always at work, even when we can't see it. This is the wonder and the power of the ascension, right? Jesus is not absent because of the ascension. He isn't absent in our waiting. He has given us the Holy Spirit so that we are not alone to figure these things out on our own. This passage in Philippians gives us a ton of confidence. This is Paul writing to the Philippians. In, in, all, my, or in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray, always pray with joy because of your, your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I love that last part, the part in yellow. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We believe in a God that is faithful. And if he has started something in you, and he has said yes, but he's saying, but wait, I haven't given you all the details yet, be confident that if he started it, he's going to finish it. It's just a matter of us actively waiting and being proactively patient for what that looks like. So I want to encourage you in in this new year, let's set apart time to hear God's voice to discover his plans. Now, I'd be remiss just to to leave you with with nothing practical or hands-on. So it's kind of cool. The teaching team um, found this this resource. It's a 2020 prayer guide, right? This is a a prayer guide that was actually created by another church, a church called Church of the Highlands. Um, But it's an amazing way that we as a church can come together and pray alongside each other for the next 20 days for very specific things. And, and I want to encourage you, this is not just Pacific Beach doing this. This is all of New Break. So almost 2,000 people at every campus, we're going we're gonna, to, for the next 20 days, be praying for these things in this prayer guide. You can go to info and, and download your prayer guide. You can download it straight to your phone. I'd say stop listening to me right now and get your phones out and download this right now. You totally can. It's totally fine. I will not be offended. Okay? Um, do it because it's going to be awesome. It's, it, it really is a, a neat way that we can start off the new year. If you're like me, You probably need to set an alarm in your phone, right, or set something in your calendar for the next 20 days. Uh, If you don't know how to do that, come see me. I can show you how to do that. It's pretty easy. Um, But set uh, just for a specific time every single day, just to maybe take time for 20 minutes just to pray for the next 20 days. And this guide will lead you through just very specific things that we can pray for as a community. See, again, we want to do everything that we do this year together as a community, because we know that even in times where we're being asked to be patient, even in times we're being asked to to wait, that God is faithful and He will continue to do um, the good work that He has started in you until it is done, until it is complete. So will you join me in praying together for the next 20 days? I'm super excited about this, if you can't tell. This is an awesome, awesome resource for us. Um, Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thanks for allowing us to be here in this place. God, um, I know uh, for me, a lot of times I, I, I do, I forget to pray, I forget, to, pray. God, I forget to, to bring you in um, to the rest of the details. God, you give me a little bit, and then I run with it. I forget that you're still in control, and I'm not. So God, I just would ask that you would help um, us as a church just to be waiting and listening, that you would help us as a, as a church, as a family. Um, to come alongside each other in the times of waiting, in the times where you've asked us to be patient. Um, God, that you would uh, remind us that we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that comes alongside of us and that, that journeys with us, gives us direction so that we're not alone. God, may we be a church that that prays, not just for the next 20 days, but God, we get on our knees every single day, and we pray for our communities. We pray for our workspaces. We pray for our families. We pray for our friends. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for our church. We pray for our country. pray for our world. God, maybe if, if we're known by anything other than um, and prayer. God, may, may that be something that, that you just show us more and more this year. God, we'd be a church known for, for praying. Thank you that you are a God that is accessible, that wants to spend time with us, that wants to know us. Thank you for being a God that loves us so much um, that you sent your only son to die for us, God, so that we could have this connection with you. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us first. And these things we ask and we pray in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen.